back to Black Archives Reviews. I'm your host, Snow. No. No. Welcome back to the Jones Chronicles. I'm your host, Christina. We are going to discuss an array of topics this evening. I hope everyone has had a uneventful week. <laughs> we survived. I have one more week in which I can laze about my my job before I am finally after like a month since <laughs> I received not complaining, not complaining. My promotion, I'll finally be moving into my new role, which will require far more focus than my current role and not leaving quite as early. I mean, I'd be legit watching YouTube (laughs) while working, particularly after some announcements in the last month. And thus, business has very much crawled to a little bit of a snail's pace. So that has been rather, rather relaxing. I'm not complaining at all. Not even a little bit. But I will be soaking up my laziness. (laughs) for seven no five more days probably four because lord knows i ain't gonna be there on friday later bitch get fucked the most exciting thing that happened to me this week is that i bought a new cup (laughs) a new tumbler type of cup and i'm into them now so i have a feeling i'm gonna have a a collection i'm very proud of my daughter she has straight a's because she's incredibly intelligent now if only if only she can not i went into her room i kid you not by he by her keyboard she had three capri suns you know empty she had a whole tray of cupcakes a whole tray okay she didn't eat it in one sitting but you know she got the last cupcake and just left the tray and then left the cupcake wrapping on the keyboard and then on the floor there's another piece of trash almost had a heart attack i was like this is how you get ants fucking embarrassing that and every morning i have to listen to her have a mental breakdown as she has to get up out of the bed to go to school y'all gonna make me lose my mind February is the beginning of Black History Month, so I am going to begin and end this podcast with some little unknown African American stories. The beginning is a little bit of a heartbreaker. So clutch thy pearls and prepare thyself. 
an African-American boy, George Stinney, who was executed when he was 14 years old. I hate it here! For the killing of two young white girls was exonerated 12-19 of 2014, 70 years after he became the youngest person executed in the U.S. in the 1900s. Mind you, they said U.S. and 1900s. A South Carolina judge ruled he was denied due process. Surprise, surprise. When George was executed, he was so small that the straps of South Carolina's electric chair didn't fit him properly and state officials had him sit on a book for his electrocution. Less than three months before his execution, George and his sister were playing in their yard when two young white girls briefly approached them and asked where they could find flowers. Hours later, the girls failed to return home and a search party was organized to find them. George Stinney, a member of the search party, casually mentioned to a bystander that he had seen the girls earlier. Because that's information you would volunteer if you are trying to help. Unfortunately, this young man did not realize those words would come back to haunt him the following morning their dead bodies were found in a shallow ditch george was immediately arrested for the murders and subjected to hours of interrogation without his parents or an attorney the sheriff later claimed he confessed to the murders though no written or signed statement was presented george's father was fired from his job and his family forced to flee out of fear for their lives a mob attempted to lynch George, but he had already been moved to an out-of-town jail. George faced a sham trial virtually alone. No African Americans were allowed inside the courthouse, and his court-appointed attorney, a tax lawyer with political aspirations, failed to call a single witness. Well, I've done all I can do. All because he said he saw the girls. The prosecution presented the sheriff's testimony regarding George's alleged confession as the only evidence of his guilt. An all-white jury deliberated for 10 minutes before convicting George Stinney of rape and murder and the judge promptly sentenced the 14-year-old to death. Never mind a 14 year old holding two women two young girls around i'm guessing the same age and molesting them and then murdering them and then somehow transporting their bodies all while probably having an alibi of where he was which was on his lawn where most people would think that they are safe at home minding their own business he was executed on june 16 1944 44 and remains the youngest person executed in the united states in the 20th century of course this was around the time of a world war so this kind of got swept under the rug 
George's family members and various civil rights advocates have sought to clear his name of the murders in recent years. In January of 2014, a judge held a two-day hearing, which included testimony from three of George's surviving siblings, members of the search party, and several experts. The state argued at the hearing that George's conviction should stand. In vacating the conviction, the judge found that George Stinney was fundamentally deprived of due process throughout the proceedings against him, that the alleged confession, quote, simply cannot be said to be known involuntary, end quote, that the court-appointed attorney, quote, did little to nothing, end quote, to defend George, and that his representation was, quote, the essence of being ineffective, end quote. That's the gospel truth. The judge concluded, quote, I can think of no greater injustice, end quote, and neither can I. This is within the span of a lifetime. His siblings are still alive. The people that were in the search party are still alive to this day. And this was a child. My daughter is about to turn 14. This is horrible. This is a stain on the justice system that only further proves how ineffective and how much it's not so much a justice system as much as it's a system in which one can possibly obtain justice. Moving on to less, less uh, depressive topics. There is a Netflix special coming out about some crime sleuths who I don't even know their names. I don't want to mention their names. I don't want you to watch the special. I, I actually, I don't really care if you watch the special, uh, but they're, they really didn't feel they got the credit they deserve. So they ran to Netflix and Netflix was like, sure, why not? About how they solved a a murder or helped solve a murder here's my thing about crime sleuths they are people who want to take clue up a notch with real life murder the ability to be a detective without needing to take the psych exam is not something in which you know cannot be more than a hobby but if it helps getting people justice, more power to you. <laughs> so I talked out of both sides of my mouth on it. Like I started with the negative, but I ended with the positive. Since we have Valentine's Day coming up rather soon for those who celebrate. <laughs> Daughter's like, you're going to be my Valentine. I'm like, of course, I'm going to be your Valentine. But also, I need a to love me but I found some fun facts in regards to relationships. So here we go. Cuddling releases natural painkillers. Couples who are too similar to each other are not likely to last. That is why I cannot possibly date another introvert because then we would just be absolutely... <laughs> unheard or seen of for weeks on end loving from long distance strengthens a relationship i'm all about that 
I do like to have my space and I do mean several states. Maybe a whole fucking country. Who knows? Men listen to women only for six minutes. So at the five minute mark, that's when the Oscar music needs to start. Roll in to wrap it the fuck up. Yo, the sign is real simple, B. It says wrap it up. Wrap that shit up, B. You are easily attracted to someone you have no chance with. <laughs> Says everybody with a celebrity crush. <laughs> Based on that very idea. <laughs> I've also totally been guilty of that in real life too like oh you're so and then i'll just develop this huge crush based on an inflated sense of who that person could be and is absolutely not and as soon as i realize who they are i'm like oh well that was fun language of romantic partners becomes more similar as a relationship forms even through text messages that i believe is very true even with good friends, though, you find yourself easily mimicking. Women's tears have been biologically proven to reduce arousal and lower testosterone levels in men. So don't cry because he's not going to be horny, which seems pretty logical. Men with deeper voices appear more attractive to women and women with higher pitch voices are more attractive to men. Which I suppose why there's those girls that talk like this. Hi. Hi. Man, the stereotype I have in my mind, whichever one you are envisioning, <laughs> it has that voice. Let's move on to pigs. Yes, pigs. They can eat an entire human body, which I suppose is fair considering humans very deliciously consume every part of it. Convincing yourself that you slept well at night is a tactic to improve your cognitive, cognitive performance even though you did not sleep well. I don't feel like that is true for all people because I I'm never convinced. I'm like, no, I slept like shit. I feel it in my bones in the way in which I am not presently here. Para. Hold on. Let me get this right. Peridolia is a psychological phenomenon where your mind sees a face in things like fruits or clothes. It is an ambiguous perception and random stimulus as significant. This phenomenon happens to everyone, especially kids, and it also frightens them. Waking up at, waking up at night in the dark and the cloth you throw randomly looks like a person looking at you or a monster. This phenomenon works perfectly when you have watched a horror movie or heard a scary story or event, which increases your fear and makes your mind attentive to anything surrounding you. I remember when I went home from watching, oh, what was it? Because we all went out to the theater. My cousin actually freaking walked out of the theater. He was so scared. 
I think it was called Darkness Falls. And we were walking home. <laughs> and when I tell you everything looked like that freaking uh, monster, it really wasn't a monster, but you know, the, the, the creature in the movie. Oh, drove me nuts. Drove me nuts. My daughter also will not sleep in the room with the mirrors facing her. She always turns it facing the other way. (laughs) I never even thought about it when it's in my room, but she refuses. Facebook makes people depressed. Oh my God. Wow. An increase in Facebook usage is linked to depression, according to study, a study released by the University of Houston and Palo University in 2015. This is because people compare their lifestyle, their relationships, and their personal lives with people's lives on Facebook. Yeah, that's what capitalism is uh, is pretty much based on. So, and in in one way it's nothing new (laughs) it's just another outlet in which now people can more readily see that versus just looking at their neighbors now they're looking at their co-workers and their co-workers friends and so on and so forth i was watching this video this week and i learned that gypsies derived from the perception that the romani peoples thought that they were from Egypt, but in fact, they were from India. Oh, that's awkward. Apparently, dead bodies get goosebumps. Rigor mortis of the erector pili muscle attached to the base of a hair follicle is also responsible for the phenomenon of cutis and serena. (laughs) Or cutis and serene. I love this, uh, practical term for it otherwise known as post post mortem goosebumps lung cancer can be dormant for up to 20 years before becoming a problem gotcha bitch up until the mid 1980s it was believed that infants didn't feel pain what the hell did you just say the more you get into history the more you realize how much of a stumbling experiment the human species really is (laughs) and we ain't talking we is not talking you know a hundred fucking years ago (laughs) we're talking about in my lifetime for years even as life-saving surgeries became more invasive Longer and more intense, the majority of newborns still underwent them without anesthetic. Often they were given nothing more than a muscle relaxant to keep them from thrashing around during operation. The belief that babies' nervous systems were underdeveloped and they therefore could not feel pain meant they were not provided with anesthesia as standard practice. Instead, babies were administered muscle relaxants to stop them from moving. The belief was the result of years of inadequate studies, many of which suffered from the fact that clinicians struggled to understand the differences in pain responses between fetuses and adults, and this misunderstanding carrying over to newborns. 
This was compounded by the fact that studies in the 1940s had incorrectly stated that babies lack the capability to feel pain after they seem to be unresponsive to pinpricks. Maybe because it's a pinprick. I mean, do you know how many babies fall out of beds? Right you are, motherfucker! You're gonna have to do a little bit more than a pinprick to get those fuckers to start wailing at you especially if they're satiated at the time and i do mean with milk and uh waddling is that what you know that that doesn't feel right swallowing this was later explained by a failure to correctly interpret infant body language though many hospitals have begun administering anesthesia to infants on the operating table as early as the 1970s Surveys of medical professionals conducted as recently as 1986 indicated that infants younger than 15 months were still receiving no pain relief during surgery in many hospitals across the U.S. It was in 1987 that the tide against this practice began to change and the medical profession started to listen to mothers who insisted their infants could indeed feel pain. I was born a preemie in 1983. I may have repressed trauma. (laughs) Now Mimi brought to my attention this, uh, this fact video in which she wanted to know the truth, the dark truth and the whole truth about dolphins so here's the expose dolphins are not gentle or psychic if they could talk They would not impart eco-wisdom or deep spiritual truth. Dolphins are violent predators with a predilection for baby killing and rape. (gasps) Dolphin sex can be violent and coercive. Gangs of two to three males, bottlenose dolphins, isolate a single female from the pod and forcibly mate with her sometimes for weeks at a time to keep her in line they make aggressive noises threatening movements and even smack her around with their tails bitch don't you dare think about talking back my anaconda don't my anaconda don't my anaconda don't want none unless you got buns hun and if she tries to swim away they chase her down or hunt her down. Horny dolphins have also been known to target human swimmers. Demi Moore is rumored to have had a close encounter of the finny kind. Dolphins kill harbor purpose porpoise babies. In Scotland, scientists found baby harbor porpoises washed up with horrific internal injuries. 
They thought the porpoises might have been killed by weapons tests until they found the tooth marks. Later, dolphins were caught on film pulping the baby porpoises. The dolphins even used their echolocation to aim their blows at the porpoises' vital organs. Murderers. But that is not all. Dolphins, they kill their own babies. Baby dolphins have washed up alongside the dead porpoises. And some scientists think that all the porpoise slaughter was just practice for some old-fashioned infanticide. For other mammals like lions, killing the babies makes the females immediately ready for the next pregnancy. And maybe that's the case with dolphins too. I don't want the result. I just want to do the do. These niggas crazy as fuck. But the scariest part, the very scariest part, is dolphins can wreak havoc day and night without sleeping. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go and walk away because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. So there you go, Mimi. Damn, nature. You scary. Let's finish off the episode with another Black History highlight. But about a slave who became effectively a king. India and Africa have shared history in trade, music, religion, arts, and architecture, but the historical link between these two diverse regions is rarely discussed. Many Africans traveled to India as slaves and traders, but eventually settled down there to play an important role in India's history of kingdoms, conquests, and wars. Abyssinians, also known as Habshis, in India mostly came from the Horn of Africa to the subcontinent. Dr. Sylvain A. Dioff of the Schomburg Center says, says Africans were successful in India because of their military prowess and administrative skills. This is the story of one said man. Malik Ambar was born in 1548 as Chapu a birth name in Harar. I am going to apologize right now for mispronunciations because I know I am fucking them all up. Uh, Mur Qasim al-Baghari, one of his slave owners, eventually converted Chapu to Islam from uh, Wagafana? and gave him the name Ambar after recognizing his superior intellectual qualities. Ambar is believed by most sources uh, to have been of Oromo or yeah, Oromo descent, while other sources claim he was from the Maya tribe who never lived in the Harar but in Wei. Between the 14th and 17th centuries, the Oriental Orthodox Christian Ethiopian Empire, led by the Solomonic Dynasty, 
and adjacent Muslim states gathered much of their slaves from the non-Abrahamic communities inhabiting regions like Kambata, Damo, and Haja, which were located on the southern flanks of their territory. Malik Ambar was among the people who were converted to Islam and later dispatched abroad to serve as a warrior. According to the Fukduha Adil Shahi, Malik Ambar was sold into slavery by his parents. He ended up in Al Muka in Yemen, where he was sold again for 20 ducats. Is it ducats? And was taken to the slave market in Baghdad, where he was sold a third time to the Qadi al Qadi of Mecca, and again in Baghdad to uh, Mir Qasam al Baghdadi, who eventually took him to Deccan Plateau. He was described by the Dutch merchant Peter van den Broek as, quote, a black kafir from Abyssinia with a stern Roman face. End quote. Malik was then purchased by Chen Giz Khan, a former Habshi slave who served as the Peshwa or chief minister of the Sultanate of Ad uh, Ahmad the Gagnar. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Once his master died, Malik Ambar was freed by his master's wife. He got married and after getting freed, Ambar briefly served the Sultan of Bijapur and gained the title Malik during this time. But Malik quit this service after citing insufficient support before entering service in the Nizam Shahi army. Malik was the regent of the Niza. Nizam Shahi dynasty as Amen Nagar or chief minister, as we mentioned, uh, from 1607 to 1626. During this period, he increased the strength and power of Murtaza Nazim Shah II and raised a large army. Malik changed the capital from Peranda to Junar and founded a new city, Kadaki, which was later changed to Aurangabad by the prince Aurangazeb in 1650 when he was viceroy of Deccan. Malik Amber defeated the Mughal general Khan Kanan many times and often attacked several cities in which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> and other Maratha chiefs and gained great prominence during this period. With the help of these Maratha chiefs, Malik had captured a Akmag Nagar fort and town from the Mughals. But in one of the battles, Malik was defeated by the Mughals and had to surrender the fort. Many Maratha chiefs, and especially Lakhuji Jadharavra, joined the Mughals after this. Shah Jahan once again laid a crushing blow to Malik Ambar in one of the battles and further decreased his power. However, he was able to effectively install by changing sides the correct uh, 
next um, emperor, as it were, uh, forgetting the exact name. <laughs> but then he also married his daughter to her, effectively making his bloodline uh, royal. And he ended up having a long life of mostly prosperity. He died in 1626 at the age of 77. Uh, he had by his side Sidi, his wife, Bibi, Karima, two sons, Fateh Khan and Changiz Khan, and two daughters. So Changiz was the Khan he installed, and Fateh was his daughter that he married to her. There was another woman, a white woman, that came into the picture and disrespected the shit out of his daughter. So he had those bitches get murdered. Making my way through the hood, sipping this yak. Niggas about to get blown with the Mac. Black, 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 black. Riding around the block with a glock yo ass finna get shot i have linked below both the george tenney story as well as information on malik so if you want to know the full story there's also a video on youtube that i had watched that brought this to my particular attention so definitely look for that to get the complete i just did a brief overview of who this uh this man became there's even photos of him that can be seen and he certainly rose from a place of no power to effectively the ruler of india and quite rightly as the article says we don't know or hear these stories and these are the ones that we do in black history month need to be focusing more upon in my humble opinion that is gonna do it for us this week if you want to join in the conversation next week or have a topic you want to see discussed you can drop anything into my inboxes as long as it's not like weird or something <laughs> my social media will be below or you can send an email blackercouch at gmail.com until next time peace hair grease and blacker magic <laughs>